This is a special bonus episode of the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Fly Fishing Founder Series where you hear behind the scenes stories from the companies who are going all in or at least partially all in on fly fishing. This week we have Wilderness Light Float Tubes with Phil Hayes. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. How's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. I want to take a moment and direct you to a new survey I have going on this week that I'd really love you to uh, take a look at. Go to wetflyswing.com slash fantasy, that's F-A-N-T-A-S-Y, to take the short Fly Fisherman's Fantasy Survey. This shouldn't take long and will be a lot of fun uh, to check out the results. This is uh, a way to help guide the direction of the podcast and kind of take a look at what the next big thing is this year. So please take a few minutes uh, out of your day and go to wetflyswing.com slash fantasy or just go to, uh, in the show notes, click over and there's a link at the top of the page that'll get you right to the survey. Um, But uh, even better yet, uh, why don't you just uh, click pause right now and pause my voice. And then click over to the uh, the show notes and that link and fill out the survey and then come back when you're finished. Okay, now unpause and let's get back into the show. In today's episode, I talk with uh, Phil Hayes, who is the person behind Wilderness Light Float Tubes. We talk about the under four pound ultralight and packable float tube solution that they produce. Some tips on packing your, uh, your backpack and what gear you need for an extended 7 to 14 day backcountry trip. So... Without further ado, here's Phil Hayes from WildernessLightFloatTubes.com. How's it going, Phil? Ah, excellent, Dave. I'm excited to uh, speak with you today and uh, hopefully provide some useful information to your listeners on backcountry, high mountain lake, wilderness, ultralight float tube fishing. It, yeah. It's a blast, and uh, I'm enthusiastic to share that info with them. Yeah, this is this is gonna be this is gonna be fun. I uh, I've done a little bit of my own uh, wilderness float tube uh, float tubing over the years, and it's been a little while, like uh, a lot of these things. But I've got some little kids that I'm hoping to eventually get out. So I got some questions to pick your brain about today, and you know, one of them I remember back in the day. Uh, on, on mine, you know, we're going to get into kind of the old school packing in too much weight and versus what we're doing now. But before we get there, can you just talk about how you first got into fly fishing and then how this all came to be where now you have, you're selling the float tubes? Yeah, kind of a long story. So you might have to reel me in, Dave, if I go too long, but, uh, yeah, as a, as a child, uh, my father was a fly fisher. Um, so my two brothers and I were introduced to fly fishing by him, but, you know, you know, typical, we get busy with work and uh, raising a family and whatnot. And so I guess I'd best describe myself as an intermittent fly fisher for a number of years. But uh, at one point lived close to uh, could walk out the front door and, and hit a warm water, smallmouth bass and panfish stream. And, and so that, you know, boy, just had a blast. Uh, that that really gave me the the bug for life, and then got busy again. It, it was a number of years later before uh, a good friend from work uh, who'd been hiking into the Mountain West to go uh, wilderness fly fishing for a number of years invited me to come along. I did, and that was 22 years ago. Uh, and for the first five years uh, making those excursions, we were fishing from shore. So fly fishing from shore can be a bit frustrating, uh, putting on the waders, wading out on ledges, <laughs> falling into the water, getting soaking wet, uh, losing a lot of flies in the 
trees and whatnot behind you, uh, and a lot of the lake not being accessible. Uh, so uh, on one of our trips, we were turning from it, and my friend was seated, seated next to someone in the aircraft, and they st started up a conversation about what they were doing. And he said, well, don't you guys pack in flow tubes? And it was uh, a bit of profanity. No, uh, it's absolutely impossible. You know, they're too bulky. They're too uh, heavy. We go in for seven to ten days, and between our food uh, shelter, fishing gear, clothing. There's no way we can haul in flow tubes. And he said, well, no, there is one brand of flow tube that will work for you guys, and it's called Wood River. And this was about oh, 2001, 2002. And sure enough, uh, Wood River had a couple models of flow tubes that were in the four to five pound, maybe five and a half pound range. And they had a reasonable pack volume. And so we bought Wood River tubes and started packing in with those. What a difference <laughs> in terms of the ability to cast, uh, the quality of fishing, hit all the structure throughout the lake. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, truly, I hate to use the trivial, but a, a game changer mm -hmm. without a doubt. Well, the unfortunate part of that story is that Wood River went out of business in 2003. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So their flow tubes became unavailable. As our flow tubes got older, as we wanted to equip additional friends, uh, uh, family members uh, with ultralight flow, flow tubes suitable for backcountry fishing, uh, we would have to find used wood rivers on eBay or whatever we could. And, and, and finally, they, they just weren't available at all, and ours were wearing out. So uh, necessities uh, or the mother of invention um, – started making them myself. And so since 2013, uh, Wilderness Light has made available uh, float tubes that are truly ultralight, less than four pounds uh, in, in weight. And, and very importantly, we'll, we'll talk about this, is, is pack volume, because of course they have to pack down to a small size so they can fit in your backpack. So yeah. for the past 17 years, I've been carrying in either a Wood River or for the last uh, five, six years, uh, a Wilderness Light Ultralight Float Tube for backcountry fishing. Yep. So huge that's, difference. That's cool. And so why do you think, um, you know, obviously you scratch your own itch with uh, the wilderness making your own tube. I mean, other than uh, Wind River, I know there's Outcast. There's, I've got an old Caddis Float Tube. There's, and there's some other there's com companies out there. Why do you think they didn't do the Ultralight? It just seems like it makes sense to have the lightest float tube when you're packing in. Or, well, I guess a lot of people aren't packing. Is, is that kind of the answer? Yeah, I think it's truly a niche market, Dave, is that there are relatively many fewer people who are packing in. And in fact, the, the major float tube manufacturers, I think, have gone the opposite direction. They've gone towards larger, heavier float tubes and even, into, of course, into pontoons. Mm. And so there just really doesn't seem to be any interest uh, there are a couple available from those manufacturers that are in the 7 to 15 pound range. Uh, and I guess you could carry in a 7 pound float tube or 7, 7.5 to 8 pound float tube. But the problem with those, and, and the reason we just didn't start buying an outcast float tube rather than start making our own, uh, is pack volume. You know, equally critical, you can only fit so much volume in your backpack. Uh, again, we can go into this in, in more detail, but the pack volume on those is just horrendous. Uh, yeah. the, there's an outcast float tube, the Trinity, 
and they, they promote that as their backcountry float tube. Well, it's got a 27-liter pack volume. Uh, by contrast, our Wilderness Light Backpacker Pro is a nine-liter pack yeah. volume. But really, it just, it's good for day hikes, maybe an overnighter. Uh, right. But when, you, when you're going in for a multi-day trip, uh, you really need to save space huh. in your backpack. And, and where are you? What, what is your home uh, lake or area? Where, where are you at? Yeah, well, uh, we are actually based in northwest Iowa. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we go west to fish. Obviously, there are no wilderness areas in Iowa. There, there, there are, are no, no wilderness areas there. No, no. So what's uh, the closest thing? What's the closest thing to a wilderness area in Iowa? Yeah, so the uh, Boundary Waters oh, yeah. in North Minnesota, and then the Black Hills of South Dakota, and then you get into Wyoming. Uh, into the Bighorns, uh, those areas, but uh, we we come west. I mean, and and that's one of the reasons we go on multi-day journeys. We want to make it worthwhile because we're oh, traveling. Wow. It's usually to to get there. So so, how long does it take to get to what you would consider your your home water? Yeah, well, our our home waters and a uh, full. Uh, 22 to 24 hour drive. There you go. So you got, you got the, uh, the previous <laughs> guests that I had on that had their home water. This is a way, I got to go way back. I'm not even sure the episode, but, uh, we had a steelhead episode up in, uh, New York a while back. And, uh, I think he had a drive from DC over to his, uh, to fishing the salmon river. I think I want to say sure. it was depending on traffic, you know, it could be 10 hours. I think it could have been up to, you know, 14 or 16 but but you're talking yeah. 24 you got a full on this yeah. is this is a full trip to get to your and are, you you're pretty much just just make a long drive of it drive straight through yeah that's what we do yeah yeah he's coming as a group and drive straight through and yeah but uh it's uh it, yeah it's just an extraordinary experience i tell you it it really makes it worthwhile <laughs> cool cool well, to do. i want to get into some of the a little bit of fishing stuff and all that but w- one question i do have in this you know, kind of was an issue for me as well, even with the, I mean, I think of bringing that old caddis float too. I think sometimes we even strapped it on the back, you know, because we were going in shorter distances. But I mean, not only do you have the float tube, which is great with yours, but a lot of times, I mean, you got waders, you got uh, vests, you got rods, reels, all, all this stuff, right? It could add up to a whole pack just with that gear. How do you, what does your packing list look like? And how, how do you, when you're doing a seven day trip, how do you keep it slim? And how much does your pack weigh? Yeah, so for a seven to nine day trip, my pack will go right at about fifty pounds, which is pretty heavy, which is decent. Yeah, pretty, pretty dark, yeah, yep. yep, it's it's pretty heavy, uh, and about, gosh, well, about ten, twelve pounds, and I, I, I take it out to the ounce, so I can tell you, last year I packed in one hundred and fifty four ounces of fishing gear. It was nine point six pounds of fishing gear. Okay, so that included uh, some water shoes. Uh, so ultralight fins, uh, a net, the inflation pump for the float tube, uh, the Wilderness Light Backpacker Pro float tube, and then fly line, rod, reel, leaders, and waders, of course. Yeah. What's your uh, – and just is there an ultralight waiter? does it really matter on the as far as weight? Are they just- oh, it, it, all of these are critical. And and I I would mention of course you got you got a life jacket in there as oh, well. Right. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, but what what type of life jacket? A full on life jacket or one that blows up? Yeah, so there there are a couple options. 
uh, and they're reflected in the cost as well as the convenience. Uh, the one that I, I really like the best, but you've, you've got to check your local regulations because uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the airline style FAA approved uh, vests that are under your seat yep. uh, when you're on an aircraft. Well, those are those are available. We've mm-hmm. got something on our website. You can find those for about seventy five dollars. Okay. And and the CO2 cartridge can be easily removed. Uh, the, the water activated light that comes on. Uh, can be removed. It gets it down to right about seven, seven and a half ounces uh, for that life jacket. And it inflates in five or six breaths. Uh, it's relatively comfortable to use and it's it's truly ultra light. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So these are the ones that are just like the U thing that goes around your neck and yeah. 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 What um, do you have on your website or somewhere where there's a, a packing list that has pretty much everything you take or anything? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's got, it's got all the float tubing here. We don't have anything on there that, that has all the the food and shelter. And- okay, where would you recommend if somebody had never, you know, somebody's listening to this and maybe they have never been out doing the backcountry and and after this episode they're fired up to do it. What would you tell them if they don't have anything, they want to make sure. sure to get the right stuff? Where would you send them to go get, you know, like backpack, know what to get, all that stuff? Yeah. Well, and, and I think the, the first step, Dave, is, is to find, if, if possible, find someone who does have some experience and, and learn from them. Um, that, that's, that's really the best option. Um, you know, the alternative to that is to start with an overnighter or a long weekend and, and really learn as you go uh, on really what works for you yeah. uh, and, and what, and, and what doesn't. But as I said, you know, it's a, it's going to be for a seven to nine day hike. Uh, it's likely you're going to be carrying about 50 pounds of food, clothing, shelter, you know, stove fuel, all your fishing gear. Um, and it's got to fit typically uh, in a 65 to, to 90 liter backpack, uh, which would be about four to 5,000 cubic inch, volume. So those, those are larger backpacks, but the gear that's available today is so much lighter. It's more functional. It's more durable than ever. And that's what really makes these trips, uh, worthwhile. Yeah. The first, I, the first thing I would recommend, uh, buy a postal scale because on Amazon, uh, wherever for about $25, you can buy a postal scale that's got about 50 pound capacity, but will uh, measure in uh, 10th of an ounce graduations. And, and it really makes it possible for uh, your listeners to accurately assess weight of anything that they're contemplating on, on carrying with them. And the, the frustration, I mean, you, you started with the question, where, where do you start? Where do you go? The unfortunate, and, and the reason I recommend uh, a postal scale is a first purchase. Few manufacturers really list or even know an accurate weight. Oh yeah, for, for much of their gear. Yeah, you, you you can start by going onto websites and looking for backpacks, uh, sleeping bag, tent uh, that are ultra light. But you'll probably want to purchase it. Make sure you can return it uh, and weigh it when you get when you get it. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Okay. And, and is 50 pounds 
I mean, can you go lighter if somebody didn't, you know, what if they had kids that, you know, maybe were going to come in and, I mean, can you get down to 30 pounds? Is it possible? Or is 50 pounds pretty much as light as you can get? Yeah. So uh, absolutely. And it's all about the duration of the trip. Yeah. And the, the, the investment you're going to make in the gear. Um, so you can get down to 35 or 40 pounds, particularly for a five, six day trip. Uh, the other thing that's really helpful, of course, is when you're traveling in three or four people together, you can share the weight of some of the common items. You don't each need a water filter. You can depend right. on one person to bring a water filter, one person to bring your backpacking stove, one person to bring your coffee pot or you know, whatever, your, your uh, skillet, uh, ultralight skillet for frying fish. So you can share a lot of that gear. Uh, if there's, there's several of you, um, but just some, some guidelines on, because the, the, some of the heaviest things you're going to have, uh, is really going to be, uh, your, your sleeping bag, your tent, uh, uh, and sleeping bag, you know, you can really get a sleeping bag, uh, and a tent, uh, that are both going to be, oh, a, a two pound, one person tent. Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are available today, uh, really small pack volume uh, with a sleeping bag and a, a pad to sleep on to insulate you from the ground, two and a half to three pounds. Uh, and there are four pound backpacks that are available that are large volume backpacks. Uh, I just got a 65 liter uh, uh, Gregory Paragon, and, yeah. and that's about three and a half pounds. Yeah, yeah, that's so, the pack. That's the pack I still have, an old Gregory, which is kind of, you know, pretty good. Uh, I was actually looking, kind of searching. The um, the resource that I've tended to use in the past, you know, REI.com, um, you know, has a lot of, obviously, equipment and stuff out in our area. But I'll put a link in the show notes to a, uh, to a backpacking checklist, um, just kind of the general basics of, you know, what you need to get out there and that's at least one part. I'm not sure if there's an REI, you know, everywhere, but at least it gives people a start yeah. to see what they need. Um, because yeah, that is one of those things where, you know, I and mean, we get into a whole show on that, you know, the food, uh, do you bring in freeze dried stuff? So we, we're not going to get into all that because I did want to keep it to just the back country, the, the, you know, the yeah. fishing and stuff like that. But I think we do have the, well, uh, I, yeah. I can comment quickly on that. Just yeah. some, some key things. And again, I, I think because I've been doing this for, Oh, 22 years. I've made a lot of mistakes and hopefully your listeners can, can learn from some of my mistakes. You know, clothing, there's some pretty simple things. Wool blends, insulate and down, uh, quick dry synthetics. I mean, that, those pretty simple lessons, uh, even Dyneema, which is a newer uh, polymer, stay away from cotton, stay away from denim. Uh, and obviously make sure you got a uh, plan to layer your clothing and I don't take a lot. I take kind of one of everything except extra underwear and extra socks. You mm-hmm. just don't need three or four things. Uh, can rinse them out in the lake and hang them up to dry if necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, foot care, polypropylene liners, you know, worth their weight in, in diamond, mm. literally, uh, to wear those under a light wool hiking, uh, wool blend hiking sock. Use some good uh, baby powder. Uh, powder up your boots, powder up your liners, powder up your socks, care a little moleskin for blister care. But if you use probably polypropylene liners and, and wool blend socks 
And, of course, get your boots broken in. I mean, you really should have at least 20 miles on those boots yeah. before you see a wilderness trail. What kind of boots do you like to go with? You know, I, I, I've really kind of fallen in love with uh, Kenetrek. Uh, they're, they're pricey. Can, how do you spell that? Yeah, Kenetrek. K-E-N-E-T-R-E-K. Okay. They're uh, based in Colorado. Uh, they're Italian-made boots. Uh-huh. Uh, pretty expensive. And, and the other feature that I would mention, you know, you're, you're not going fall hunting. Uh, you're, you're going in during the summer uh, or September. And so uninsulated, don't need insulated right. boots. You're, you know, with insulating your boots, not a good thing yep. uh, for this type of a, a backpacking. Well, what is your, uh, the, the, uh, the Kenetrek? Do you have a, a model that you like to use? Uh, you know, I, I can't remember the yeah. specific model. I've been, I've been using them so long, but they are uninsulated. Yeah. They have, uh, a, um, they have a bunch of, uh, yeah, they're hardcore. Definitely some good, well, they've got lighter hikers too, but they have some, some mountaineering style, but that's the thing. I remember I've had a couple of boots in my past where, you know, you buy those, like you're saying, you buy those mountaineering boots or whatever, and you know, it takes you 10 years just to break them in. So those might not be the best ones. Uh, and there are boots. That's a cool. My recommendation on boots is when you're in the store putting boots on, when you put a pair of boots on and it feels like they're already broken in just because it yeah. fits you so well, that's the boot you need. Yeah. Good so, advice. Yeah. But, um, but no, this is cool. Well, I think we, yeah, the gear stuff, I'm kind of a gear nerd. So I think we could just go on for, for hours on gear. But, yeah. um, I did want to check on one thing before, uh, you know, so we don't miss this just on the back country and the, you know, all that. Can you explain to I me mean, why would somebody, cause we're talking fly fishing, obviously this is a fly fishing podcast and all that, you know, why would somebody want to do all the effort to get all this stuff, go into the back country, pack all this stuff when you can just, you know, do a lot of different ways to get in to catch fish. What would, what would you tell them? What do you love most about, uh, doing what you do? Yeah. In, in one word, the experience, it's extraordinary, Dave. I mean, uh, you get into that back country, you are away from the universe. Not a cell phone will ring, not an email will be received. And I'll put it in this perspective. In the 17 years that I've carried in an ultralight flow tube uh, with friends and family, there has not been one day on the waters that we fished. And, and this is, I would say, you get more than five to seven miles into the back country. But when we've been that far in, there's not been a single day uh, in those 17 years in which there's any been anyone else on the water huh. uh, with a float tube. That's crazy. You know, you'll see people fishing from shore, of course, uh, both spin and fly casting, but we have literally had the water to ourselves. That's awesome. It's an extraordinary experience. Um, and I'll tell you that there's some intangibles that, that people might not think of. Uh, there's the sense of accomplishment. Yeah, you know, I'm staying in shape. I'm getting in shape before I go. And I'm able to carry a 50-pound pack uh, 12, 14 miles from a trailhead uh, with all my gear to uh, to be in there for nine days. It's a tremendous sense of accomplishment. You have a great sense of teamwork as you're working together, uh, managing your campsite throughout the week, having a blast fishing, telling fishing stories around the campfire. It's great for uh, your kids. Uh, 
There's no better way to learn to fly fish, in well, my view. What what age do you think is, uh, you know, when would you start taking the kids? Is there a too young? I mean, obviously there's a too young, but what, what age would that be when you, you should, you know, because I guess they can't really carry their gear if they're, if they're too exactly. young, right? Yeah. So I think obviously for, for younger children, you want to start with day hikes and overnighters, uh, not you know, seven to nine day. But by the time they get to 14, 16 years old, gosh, you know, youth, they, they've got the stamina, they've got the capability. Yep. Uh, and again, you, you can split up your gear appropriately. Uh, I think our kids started with you know, packs that they were carrying in, oh, 25, 27 pounds. When, when did you start your kids? How, how young were they when they did their first overnight backpacking? Yeah. Do you remember uh, that? 13, 14 years old. Okay, so you wait. Yeah, so I get a lot. My kids are five and seven, so I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of pushing like, well, maybe we can get out there for a, you know, a, a couple night, a night or two or something like that. Well, and I think you can at that age, Dave, for yeah. a child that age. And I was referring to uh, an extended backpacking journey. Okay. You know, 14, 16 year old. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I tell you, you talk about quality time. I mean, it brings back the thought of the old fashioned time around the dinner table. Yep where a cell phone wouldn't ring and your kids weren't no. texting media. I mean, I, you have a conversation totally. with them. This is what, this is what the people probably, you know, in, in our country, this is what they need. They need to get into back country because it'll force them to, to, well, I guess they could still use their devices out there electronically and stuff, but you know, it forces them. Well, that's a good question on, on the, the electronic. So, you know, you know, what is, I was going to ask you this before. So on the, you know, I always called it, you're out there hiking your, your luxury item. Do you, do you have a, what is your one luxury item you take on your, on your uh, trips? Or do you yeah. have one? Do you, you know what I mean? The basically where it's yeah, like, well, sure. the one thing you get. Sure. Well, I, I, I like uh, hot cocoa after dinner. That's a luxury item. Uh-huh. I, I, I love preparing fresh fried trout. And so, you know, taking the fixins. Uh, olive oil, some nice breading to uh, fry up some trout. That, yep. I mean, that that's an extraordinary treat. And uh, wow, yeah. uh, I, I guess that, that's that's how I would. That is pretty good. And are you fishing areas? Maybe let's talk a little bit about the fishing um, a bit. Um, and I, before we get into that, I just will note my luxury item kind of was always, um, you know, I'm not sure if you do the Thermarest or what you use, but for my bed, I, you know, the Thermarest with the, the chair kit, you know what I mean? So it's got the little, you know, it folds into it. It's not only a bed, but becomes a little lazy boy sitting out yeah. there, which adds some weight, but I always love that, um, yep. you know, that bonus. But so what now the fishing, so can we talk about without, you know, giving away any secrets or is there a general kind of area or is there a lake we could talk about or just, you know, something to, to help somebody and so we can talk about the fishing a little bit? Yeah, so and, and I think that's in really the context of, of the how to. Um, where are you going to go? When are you going to go? You know, what route are you going to take? Yeah. And, and there's several, several, you know, critical options because uh, there there are wilderness areas uh, that have a lot of lakes. There are some that have very few. Um, and, what, and what makes it a wilderness area versus a just a forest or you know anything else? Yeah, so, so wilderness areas, uh, by, by regulation, can be accessed only on foot or only on horseback. Okay. No, mech- no mechanized vehicles. And so uh, it's not uh, legal to take in a mountain bike, 
Uh, obviously, a four-wheeler, anything like that is, is prohibited in wilderness areas. So, so really, to get uh, the most pristine experience, uh, to, to get into an area where there are going to be few people, you're going to have the water campsite to yourself, uh, wilderness area is, is the ideal scenario. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fun break from fly tying in the winter. Look at topo maps. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, you can identify uh, a prospective wilderness area that, that may be in reasonable proximity to your home uh, and see if you can find an area that's not too distant from the trailhead. So within your capability, depending on the number of days that you, you plan to be out, um, is there a locale that you can get to, a reasonable hike, that has three, four, five lakes that are bunched fairly closely together? Oh. Because typically what we'll do, Dave, we'll, we'll hike in and we will establish a base camp. Okay. Our tents and so forth, our main campsite is going to be there for the seven to nine days. But uh, we love to take day hikes. Uh, if there are other lakes, and, and we always choose locations where there are other lakes within an hour, maybe two-hour day hike from our main base camp. So you get the opportunity to, to fish other waters as well. Uh, that's, that's really helpful because particularly if you're going to waters for the first time, you really don't have a clue uh, what type of fishing there may or may not be. And so it gives you other options gives you the fun of exploring additional waters. Mm -hmm. there, there are a lot of resources that can be available to you as well. You know, your local TU uh, chapter, uh, your state department of fish and wildlife, uh, make a contact there. Uh, there can be organizations. Uh, one that's really notable is in the state of Washington, the Washington high Lakers. Uh, it's a group of people who are dedicated to preserving their high lakes mm -hmm. And there, so there are lots of resources that can help you identify kind of where you might want to go. Uh, timing is critical as well. Uh, as, you, as you well know, Dave, and I think many of your listeners, uh, some of these, many of these lakes are not going to be accessible until mid to late right. July because snow melt. And so yep. it, typically the season's going to start in July. Uh, snow leaves late and it comes early. Uh, the season's probably going to be, uh, you're going to be snowed in by 1st of October, mm -hmm. whatnot. Uh, but in recent years, we've really have a decided preference for September. Uh, fewer people. Yeah. Uh, our kids are no longer school age, uh, and fewer bugs. I mean, it's just terrific weather. That's right. Terrific. You know, great, great dry fly fishing, lots of terrestrials on the water. Oh, wow. It can really be a blast. What What does your uh, selection look like for your bugs? I mean, you know, we're talking about different parts of the country, but is there a, you know, a, a high lake? Well, not even high lakes, just a back country. What, what would you recommend for somebody who hasn't been in there? What do they take for their flies? Yeah, you know, uh, I love to I love to dry fly fish, but the reality is you're you're probably going to catch more fish with nymphs. And I know you've had some spectacular guests on. Uh, on some of your other podcasts who have highlighted the, the details, what's, what's really successful for them mm -hmm. on still water fishing. So I, I'd refer your listeners yeah. to them. Yeah. And I had a, a, one of the big ones, uh, you know, Phil Rolly, I haven't had a ton of, uh, still water episodes, but yeah, right. Phil Rolly is one of the best. And he talked about, 
uh, he talked about, you know, the style he does and the chronomids and I, I will have more. So I'm hoping to get just a, you know, maybe a focused guest that talks about this. So I'll, I'll add that to the show notes, uh, when, when it comes up, but yeah, there's definitely yeah. lots of resources out there. I, I guess the, uh, Phil Rolly would be probably the person I would direct most people to, to pick his brain. Exactly. You know, I, I think you've got to, uh, carefully consider your route. You know, trails can be very steep. They can be relatively level, uh, depending on the terrain. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. think the other reason, to, not only do you, do you want to have lakes you're getting to, but carefully consider the trail that you're going to be taking to get there and, and, and whether you're uh, up to that. Uh, weather, again, fall, it's going to be cooler, but you're going to be free of bugs. Yeah. Uh, what, what kind of wildlife are you going to encounter? You know, is an area where bears are, are very prevalent or not? You know, most of the areas we go, the most uh, worrisome creature is a chipmunk getting oh, into your pack. Yeah. <laughs> you, put, you put your pack on the ground for five minutes and the chipmunk's chewing a hole through it. Yeah. What, what about the uh, southeastern or, you know, more of the desert? Uh, are there any, you know, any fishing you ever looked into any of that? Where you're maybe... I, I haven't. You know, again, I taking my own advice, looking at a topo map and understanding where they're going to be a handful of, of lakes uh, within an easy short day hike yeah. of your base camp. Um, it, it's really the, the, the Northwest, uh, Montana, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, yeah. the Sierras in California, right. parts of Utah, maybe, you know, tons but, of, uh, tons of area for sure. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk a little more about, uh, you know, your, your product that you have there with photo, but uh, before we get there, uh, you know, the uh, I guess is it the Backcountry uh, Hunters and Anglers uh, Association is that is that correct? Yeah, so we uh, we we take one of our missions at uh, Wilderness Light is really to invest in conservation organ uh, organizations that help preserve uh, wilderness acres for public access and preserve the wild fisheries that exist on those wilderness acres. So TU of course is one of those. Uh, so we're uh, business uh, members of TU. We support TU in that respect. Uh, we're also corporate sponsors of backcountry hunters and anglers, or as I prefer to call them, backcountry anglers and hunters. But <laughs> it's truly yeah. backcountry hunters and anglers. Right. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a conservation organization that's uh, headquartered in Missoula, Montana. They have chapters in almost all 50 states uh, at this point, uh, about uh, approaching 35,000 members. And, and the mission of uh, BHA is really to ensure that all of us continue to have access to real quality uh, wilderness fishing on public grounds throughout North America. Uh, that's really, really important. And I'll, and I'll tell you, being here in Iowa, you really get uh, a wonderful perspective because we have no wilderness. We have very little public ground. Right. And that's what drive 23 so, 23 so what what keeps you in uh in iowa why haven't you made the move out to you know closer yeah. to <laughs> job jobs and family oh, you know? okay okay yeah so, <laughs> so, the, yeah. Of life. <laughs> so, so that gets into kind of the some of the the float too so basically your your float tube uh business you know selling the tubes is kind of just a, a side gig well it, it uh it was until two about two years ago now, and, and I'm now full-time with Wilderness Light, but uh, it, it started as that, but uh, yeah, uh, cool. I'm now, now, now full-time with, with Wilderness 
like. That's awesome. How, how has that, um, what has that change been like? And are, are you kind of had a career and then retired from your career sort of thing, or are you just full? I think that, that's the apt description. Yeah. So, yeah, this is, I'm doing this because I love it uh, more than a money-making venture. I think, as we said at the outset, uh, ultralight flow tubes are, are more of a niche market mm-hmm. uh, rather than the, than the mainstream, but they make an extraordinary experience uh, possible. Uh, and so that's what we, we, we are only ultralight. We will only be ultralight. And so we're, we're really focusing on developing innovative products for the backcountry angler who's going to hike in and fish these high mountain lakes. Gotcha. Do you have, I mean, how do you develop those innovative products? I mean, obviously you're out there doing it, but do you have other people that are testing your gear, giving you advice? I mean, how do you know, how, how do you make the yeah. best product? Yeah, it, it's both. And I think it's fundamentally, Dave, it's been in based on the last 17 years of, of actually doing it uh, with uh, my family, myself, and, and a group of people who've regularly gone with me. We've learned together uh, what works, and we've built those designs into our flow tubes. But as you mentioned, we also have people we've, we work with, uh, gosh, in uh, Washington, California, uh, Colorado, uh, Montana, uh, who also uh, test our gear for us and, and give us invaluable feedback, kind of give us their wish list. Uh, in fact, uh, we've just uh, recently this year launched a, a float tube that weighs two pounds, 14 ounces. That's the total weight of mm-hmm. the float. And it fits in a, a seven liter stuff sack. Um, and that was really based on some terrific creative guidance from uh, one of our evaluators, uh, early ad- adopters of ultralight flow tubing based in California who goes into the Sierras. So oh, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, and you know, we get good feedback on, on waders, fins, life jackets, uh, rods, reels, you know, everything, water shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd be happy to, to comment a little bit more on, on some of those at this point, if you think that's appropriate. Yeah, Dave. well, I was thinking, what, what, yeah, we can. I want, uh, Before we jump into that, just on another gear item. So, you know, say I, you know, you do have kids in, you go in for a night or two, you know, you're, you're probably not going to take in, you know, three float tubes. Is there another, if they weren't, you know, to take the kids out into a little boat, is there a, a boat that you see out there that you'd recommend that's an ultralight? you know, that might work? And have you ever used boats versus just the float tubes, like little rafts? Yeah, Yeah, so I I haven't uh, because we go to fish. I mean, it's a wonderful wilderness experience for sure, but uh, the the hike is the hard work. And when we get there, we're there to fish every moment we possibly can. Yeah. And in a float tube, you have constant control over your watercraft from your feet and your fins yep. and your hands are free every instant. There's no need to put a hand on a paddle, to put a hand on, uh, you, know, you know, anything to keep you in the spot where you want to be on the water. So there are pack rafts available yep. that are as light, as light as a float tube, but a pack raft doesn't stay where you want it to be unless you are paddling. And if you're paddling, that means your hands are on the paddle and not on your fly rod. And so uh, we just highly recommend for people who are serious about fishing, a float tube is really the only way to go. 
yep. to have your hands free and to be able to, to be on the water constantly. Uh, these, these lakes typically get windy when you're at altitude. Uh, so, yep. uh, it, can, it can really be frustrating. I would imagine to, to be in a raft and, and being blown over the lake when you're trying to, trying to fish. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Unless you're trolling. Do, do you guys do some, some trolling of uh woolly bugger type stuff or is it mostly, are you casting to fish? Both. So, uh, you know, you'll typically get some rising fish, but oftentimes they will be cruisers. And so you're kind of anticipating where they might be rising next. So you're, you're casting to those targets. Uh, you're typically uh, trolling along the shoreline. And that's either casting dry flies into local uh, likely holding spots uh, for trout that are feeding uh, from terrestrials falling into the water, you know, that type of thing. Uh, and you control nymphs uh, over structure. You'd be surprised in these high mountain lakes how many have structure throughout the lake? You know, even in the deeper parts of the lake, there will be shelves that come up within 10, 12 feet, sometimes uh, a little island, and extraordinary trout habitat to to fish to get to those in a, in a flow tube as well. Dang. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Good. So. So yeah, so as I noted, there there are some links out there for just the pack uh, backpacking gear stuff you need. But as far as you know, we got the uh, the float tube. So you do need yeah the fins, and I know fins can be heavy and all that. Can you talk yeah about the fins and what else yeah. you need to make sure you're good to go? Yeah. So typically, I'll just start with a rod, and you know that's not that's not the place to save weight. They're they're not very heavy anyway. You know, I find for most wilderness fishing, a four to five weight rod is is more than adequate that that works great but i'll tell you where you can really save some weight is on the rod case uh and you know what we've learned you can literally buy just on amazon uh these uh mailing tubes they're very thick cardboard uh they are un- unbelievably durable they'll be 30 33 inches long so with a pack rod and those weigh six or seven ounces uh, a typical rod tube is going to weigh over a pound. Oh, wow. So you can save a tremendous amount of weight uh, by uh, being creative uh, with your rod tube uh, for a pack rod. It'll strap to the outside of your pack, protect your rod, uh, works great. Yep. Uh, you, know, you can apply some spray urethane, something like that, if you really want to waterproof it. Probably not necessary unless you're in a really wet climate, but great way to save weight is on the rod tube. Reels. I'll tell you, there are ultralight reels and there are reels that are not so ultralight. And so I, you know, shop around a bit. I really like Lamson. Uh, they have got some terrific reels that are, are really uh, lightweight. And, but again, the, the reason for a postal scale, uh, weigh it, uh, because yeah. you can, you can save some weight. And there is, I was thinking about this earlier, there is a, I'm not sure, you know, stamps.com. I was just thinking about this because I think they offer a free scale with your, uh, you know, when you sign up for a stamps.com. And I've never done that before. And I just bring that up because I, I, I listen to podcasts and I hear them and, and they're not currently a sponsor of the podcast, but, but maybe, maybe if they're a good company, we'll, we'll get them on, you know, for a sponsor. But yeah, that might be one option to look at. You might be able to avoid even buying the scale if you get one for free there. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I usually take in one rod and one reel and one line. 
know, again, you, what's I, the line? Because you, you could do a, I mean, you might need a dry line and like an intermediate line. Yeah. So what, what I do to, to provide that kind of flexibility, I'll, I'll take in a, a way forward five floating line, but then I'll take a, a, a lead core leader section. Uh, I know there's a, those are, I believe they're still available from Orvis. There may be several others that are available, but, uh, you can attach that, that lead core right at the end of your uh, fly line and, and then put your, your leader on the end of that to get some pretty good sync. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a more compact when you're going into a wilderness area and space and weight are to premium. Uh, it, it makes a good alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be uh, something definitely to talk. Uh, we could talk more about with uh, – the Phil Roy ties because I don't remember yeah. exactly what he said. I know he obviously is more casting, and but I know that definitely just myself, I love an intermediate sync line. So I think I would be probably that might be my other luxury item is just t- yeah. tossing in a you know an extra, even if it was just a spool or maybe even a line, just throwing in line that you could I don't know you know to save weight. But okay, cool. So you got the rod reel line, yep. waiters and, and waiters. Yeah, you know uh, waiters. It is increasingly difficult to find truly ultralight waders, and you really have to be careful. Again, it comes back to very few manufacturers know what their waders actually weigh, uh, and so it, it can often be a trial and error to purchase waders uh, and actually weigh them. Uh, their weight can vary by size, but your target should be to find waders uh, that are less than two pounds. Okay. Uh, total weight. Yeah. Reddington made an extraordinary, just a, a great pair of waders, uh, but they're uh, ultralight uh, backpacking waders, but they discontinued those mm. uh, a few years ago. Patagonia has got a set right oh, now. that's they're right. Yeah. Quite pricey. I saw that. Uh, uh, but those are, they, they advertise them at, at 25 ounces. They actually are, are closer to right around two pounds, yeah. probably 30, 31 ounces. They have an extraordinarily small pack volume. They really pack down small, so they're terrific in that respect. But I, I think the, the one thing your listeners should remember, your float tubing, you don't need bulletproof waders. No. You're not, not hiking along a stream. You're not going through brush and brambles. Uh, and so there's really no advantage to getting, no disadvantage to getting the most ultralight waders that you can because they don't have take much and there might be one one advantage might be just to depending on what you pack because again if you got really cold alpine waters you might want to have if you have super thin waders then do you need to bring more layers to keep warm or yeah yeah absolutely so, uh, i always take uh, a pair of uh, wool blend long underwear uh, i'm typically wearing those in the evening uh, around the campfire as it cools down we're there in september so uh, we're getting frost every night. Uh, and so I usually will start the day, uh, in those long underwear, uh, under my waders and wear a pair of my wool blend hiking socks, uh, underneath my stocking foot waders as well. So yep. really, really works well to, to stay warm. Typically wear some water shoes over those stocking foot waders, um, you can target getting water shoes that are as light as about 12 ounce uh, per pair. And, and we do we do have uh, a list of recommended gear, I would oh, okay. add, 
on our website. Yep. So you can go there and, and our, our most preferred, the ones that we have the most experience with are, are listed on there. But just to give your listeners a perspective, yep. there are a lot of fairly heavy water shoes. There's wading boots. For goodness sakes, you don't want to carry those in. Uh, some some uh, wilderness uh, still water fishers and float tubes will just use their waders and attach their fins directly yeah. on, over their uh, neoprene booties as well. Yep. I like a little bit of a sole because many of these lakes will have some rocks along the shoreline. It just gives you a little protection uh, over your waders, protect your feet, have a little bit of a sole by wearing That's a, right. a have water. You, have you thought about, you know, you, you've got the, the float tubes and, uh, I, I, you're probably going to get into fins next here, but you know, of just producing your own all the year yourself. Yeah. So, uh, we in fact introduced a pair of ultralight fins this year. We're unfortunately out of stock at this point. Yep. But, uh, hopefully by the time this airs, maybe they'll be back. Yeah, in stock. It, well, that was a good uh, question because I mean, all your gear, uh, I think is made in the USA. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So, uh, all our gear is is made in the USA. We, we really take great pride in that, uh, to be able to make it here in the USA, uh, provide the quality, uh, five-year warranty on our gear, and, and obviously it's ultralight as well, Dave. Our uh, fins uh, are right about 15 ounces, so really the lightest fins that, that I know of that really provide great propulsion. Uh, Creek, Creek Company uh, uh-huh. has... Uh, before our fins were available, that was kind of our go-to fin. They make a, a lightweight fin uh, that's available periodically. That one will be out of stock as well. I think they're pretty popular. Uh, but those Creek Company, Creek Company lightweight fins are a, a good option. Yeah. And we've used those successfully for a number of years. Uh, I believe Outcast has uh, some fins that are a little bit heavier. Uh, they'll be 24, 26 ounces, I think, a pair. We've, we've not used those. But I think that's their their lightest fin. So there there's some options out there. You certainly want to be under two pounds for your fins, and you can get really close to one pound per pair mm-hmm. uh, fins that will perform well for you. Okay. All right. So so does that pretty much cover the main uh, the fishing and all the the apparel and stuff? Yeah. So we we talked about uh, life jackets. Uh, the only the only thing I would add, you know, check your regulations because. In some states, you are required to wear uh, a Coast Guard-approved uh, life jacket. Right. Uh, airline life jacket that I described earlier that's uh, about seven ounces is not Coast Guard. It's FAA-approved. Yeah. Um, you can get oh, life jackets that weigh less than a pound that are the foam style uh, at Cabela's. They're cheap, 20 bucks, uh, weigh about 15 ounces. We, we use those for several years. There can be multi-purpose. It can be a, uh, a cushion uh, under your sleeping bag. Uh, those work pretty well. They're, they're very cheap, a, a little bit bulky to, to carry in because they're they're not an inflatable. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, if there's – if you don't have any other gear items, I was just going to run through a quick little kind of a you know rapid fire round as we kind of wrap this so, thing up. Yeah, there are two, two things I would uh, also a net. I think oh, you're yeah. going to be you're going to be catching a lot of fish, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's really critical for survivability of those fish because you're going to be releasing a lot of them. Take a net with you, uh, yeah. and there are six ounce total weight nets available that are inexpensive. Um, Bass Pro, 
uh, has a net. It just again, you can do your research. You can find a, a six ounce net. They're inexpensive. They've got fine mesh that's going to be easy on the fish. Uh, they, they work great. But I think yeah. that's really a critical part of your backcountry gear. Uh, and then the last would be inflation pump. Oh yeah. You don't you don't want to blow up a float tube. Uh, you really want a lightweight pump uh, that is small and compact, uh, and we do offer one that weighs uh, 3.4 ounces. Mm-hmm. We do not make that. We import that from Sweden, yeah. uh, but that will come with your flow tube, and it will inflate uh, our ultralight flow tubes uh, in about four and a half minutes for the main bladder and about 30 seconds for the backrest bladder. So it works great. Uh, you really want a pump. Uh, to get full, tight inflation of your flow tube. They just ride so much better on the water, better speed, less drag. You really want it tightly inflated, and you want to keep it tightly inflated. You know, you inflate it on shore, you put it in cool water, it's going to contract. Top it off. Yeah, top it off with air, and you're going to love it. You'll just zoom around the lake with little drag and have a blast. Yeah. So that's the gear. That's it. That's it. Okay. So that covers pretty much everything we need to know, um, about the gear. And, uh, yeah, I was just thinking, so any other, do you, you know, as far as, you know, tips or, you know, backcountry, anything come to mind with somebody, if they're going out there, maybe their first time or they're kind of new to it that you would, you'd tell them to, you know, either stay safe or have a good trip. Yeah, a couple things. I, again, I, I would emphasize prepare. And, and I'll tell you, it, to me, uh, it's part of the fun, you know, the, the planning to make sure that you're going to a destination where they're going to be fish, where you can get to it, uh, where you know what kind of weather to expect. Uh, so planning, I think, is, is critical, but it, it, it's a fun winter activity, and particularly uh, with your family involved in, in that activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really important. Uh, getting in shape. I'll tell you, uh, if I didn't have to hike in to extraordinary fishing, I'd be a couch potato. But the fact that I've got to be in shape and I don't want to be the one bringing up the rear, it, it forces me to maintain a, 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 an exercise program during the winter months. Yeah. So I, I encourage people, you know, get in shape, uh, ensure that before you go that you've had that backpack on. Uh, my my kind of rule of thumb is I'll do three or four uh, hikes of three to four miles on fairly level terrain because I'm in Iowa. But I, my gauge that I'm in shape and ready to go is that I can carry my backpack that I'm going to, with the full weight it's going to be when I get to the trailhead, I can cover four miles on level ground in about an hour and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of gives your listeners kind of a gauge that, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in good enough shape. This is, this is really going to, going to work for me. Uh, the other tip that I would offer when you're studying topo maps, one of the heaviest things you carry is the water that you're drinking on the trail. Oh, yeah. So study that topo map, uh, and it's going to be a lot more convenient if you are hiking in proximity to water for most of the route that you're going to be hiking. So a stream, you know, other lakes, so that uh, with some frequency, you're, it's going to be easy to refill whatever kind of water container you're carrying. So you don't have to carry all the water for a full day hike or the, or the full distance. Uh, that, that can be really helpful. That's right. That's right. 
Yeah, water yeah. is water is a major a major uh, thing. <laughs> you obviously you need to be thinking about you're going to be around lakes, and so that's fine. So as long as you have a good water filter, um, you know that should work for you. Yeah, and just for the hike in, because oh yeah, yeah right. Yeah, hike in that water is so heavy. I mean, I, I carry in uh, yep. you know two quarts of water. That's that's four pounds, and so gosh, you can get by with two quarts and then refill it frequently. Saves you a couple pounds. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge. That is huge. And, you you know, you mentioned safety. Uh, Gosh, you know, wear a life jacket, personal flotation device when you're out in the float tube. Uh, It's great to have, as I said at the outset, someone who's got some experience um, so they can help you with the planning. Uh, They can help you uh, if you uh, experience any unexpected events. Uh, They will have the experience to help you get through that. Um, there are, uh, in, in this day and age, some fairly light uh, satellite phones with texting capability. Yep. So if you, you feel you got a dire emergency, you, you can contact. That's right. And obviously a, a map. And there are ultralight GPS. I think my GPS weighs 3.4 ounces. Oh, wow. What, and do, it, do you know the they, brand on that? Oh, it's a it's a Garmin, uh, like an E-Trex 30, I think. Okay. And, uh, you know, anything that takes lithium batteries, I'll tell you, for, for two reasons. Uh, that, that's another good tip. Alkaline batteries weigh a ton, oh. and they don't last long. Lithium batteries are weigh next to nothing. No kidding. And, and they last forever. And most everything that you would carry in, whether it's your headlamp, uh, your GPS, whatever it might be in this day and age, will take lithium batteries. They're probably three times the price of an alkaline battery, but they're they're well worth it. Yeah. So, and are you yeah. are you charging to bring in solar in and charging your batteries? Uh, we have, um, you know, again that the reason for taking uh, lithium batteries is to not have to carry an carry, extra thing. Carry in a. Uh, yep. Yeah. So, um, so, a solar charger. Solar charger. <laughs> yeah. And then it, if you can, it, the other safety feature would be to someone in your uh, party has some kind of first aid training, All right? You know, be able to help yep. you in case some kind of an emergency. That's yeah, right. be safe. That's right. And be obviously, you know, in the mountains, the weather changes. It might be ninety degrees one minute and snow in the next. So you yeah. got prepared for what you might encounter. No, I know. It's uh, I, it's, you guys kind of think about John Gearock in the episode I had with him. He mentioned how he lives right near. Um, I think is it Rocky Mountain National Park, one of the one of the yeah. parks out there. And yeah, and he says every year, you know, they. You know, people, they have to call in the, you know, and bring them out in body bags, people that hike into the, the area in their shorts and they don't realize that they're up in the, you know, high alpine and they freeze to death up there. You know, they end up getting lost, getting stuck. And so, yeah, you got to have, obviously, if you're backpacking, you're going to have some good gear. But I love the little, yeah, there's a lot of safety stuff you can bring in there, including one of those little survival blankets and, you know, stuff to start a campfire. Um, lots Absolutely. Of- Lots of tips there. Okay, well, let's just uh, you you jumped into some tips there. So, you know, on the two 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 that you definitely got the tips covered. What about you know if you had to pick your two top flies to use in the when you're fishing uh, these lakes? Yeah, I tell you, uh, I I, w- I would go right to terrestrials because I, I again I love the dry fly fishing. I uh, and usually on many of these lakes by oh ten thirty eleven o'clock in the morning, the breeze has picked up a lot. And yeah, certainly if there's any kind of sunshine at all, even if it's partly cloudy, it's, it's a terrestrial feed. And so ants, you know, almost any pattern of ant 
uh, is just typically spectacular. Truly a go-to fly. And then a lot of times hoppers. Okay. I'll go with a a size six, you know, pretty good size hoppers. And, uh, I mean, that is just so fun. I mean, they just slam them, Dave. I mean, it's just. (laughs) Right. It's it's a blast. And you remember, you're on water that's probably never seen a float tube fisher before. Right. And what are these fish? (laughs) These are mostly, are these mostly uh, stocked rainbows, cutthroat? And what are the size range typically that you're getting into? Yeah, so uh, as a rule of thumb, typically the larger the water, the larger the fish. And the, the larger water on many of these alpine lakes are going to be, oh, I would say 30 to 100 acres, something like that. Okay. It'd be a, a larger lake, but we'll fish lakes down to three, five acres. Uh, yep. Fairly, fairly small. Right. And uh, they, they typically will have been stocked at one time. Uh, they may continue to be stocked typically by air uh, with fingerlings. And so the uh, Department of Fish and Wildlife in the state or, or an uh, organization such as Washington High Lakers may carry in fingerlings. Uh, and there might be a, a pound total weight that might have 1,500 fingerlings that they're putting into that, that water. But typically, uh, if they have fish, they're going to have natural reproduction. And so the, the restocking with fingerlings, uh, it feeds the fish that are already there, unfortunately. And hopefully for those that survive, they change up the genetics, add a little genetic variety, help the population be a, a, bit, a little bit more robust uh, with any kind of restocking. In terms of size, gosh, I mean, I, yeah. you can get up 22, 24, 26-inch, oh, wow. you know, yeah pound uh, rainbows it'll take you to your backing uh, if there are waters that have rainbow and cutthroat of course they'll they'll hybrid you'll have cut bows um, some of them have been previously stocked with uh, brook trout you'll have some brook in there mm-hmm. and you'll occasionally come across some grayling and of course some whitefish as well so it can be a, a variety oh, of cool. cold fish to, cool. to really have fun what yeah. do you think so, um, as far as resource, you mentioned, you know, definitely lots of resources. Are there any other uh, resources, maybe a couple of resources that might help somebody who's going out there trying to put together their first trip or have you pretty much covered it all? Yeah. I, I again, I would encourage people, uh, speak to someone in person at the, in the state, uh, which you're going in their department of fish and wildlife. There's such a great advantage to speaking to someone in person you know, he or she who have been in the backcountry, uh, they will be so useful in giving you specific tips uh, on locations. Um, it, it, you really, you'll do yourself justice. It, it just is so useful to get that firsthand input directly from someone. The other thing to do going into a wilderness area, there's typically, uh, it's administered by uh Forest Service and call the local ranger station. Ranger station. Oh, yeah. They can give you specific trail conditions. They'll typically have backcountry rangers who've who've been into the area already. Uh, they can give you a tip on what the snow covers like if there is any still. Uh, give you a tip if there are fire restrictions. So reach out, take advantage of those resources. There, yeah. there, there are lots available. Make some phone calls, send some emails. 
uh, it's really worthwhile to do so. Yeah, that's great. Those are those are definitely good tips. What What do you think? You know, looking at um, you know again, getting back to Iowa. What what um, you know you know you're still in in Iowa. What what do you uh, you know what do you love most about Iowa? Well, I'll tell you, it's a uh, it's a wonderful population of people where people help everyone else. Uh, a really hardworking group of people. Uh, and you know, your neighbors are truly going to lend you a hand uh, whenever you're in need. So uh, extraordinary in that respect. Uh, truly a, a very prosperous state. And, and I think many Iowans, of course, take pride in that we, in many respects, kind of kind of feed, feed the world, uh, both right. in terms of food production, yep. uh, uh, crop production, uh, and, of course, uh, livestock meat, milk, eggs. So, yeah. yeah. Well, definitely. That is a, yeah, that's a, that's a huge part for sure. What, um, any other travel gear, you know, we talked a lot about the gear here, but, uh, anything else when you're, you know, you kind of, maybe your go-to item, you don't leave home without. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. REI makes a uh, duffel that is an ultralight duffel that's specifically designed to enclose a backpack. Oh, cool. So if you are flying to your destination, uh, I it's about forty dollars. I think REI uh, it meets uh, airline regulations, so it's not oversized baggage. It will fit. I mean, it fits my expedition pack. That's uh, you know fifty two hundred uh, cubic inch pack. You know, a ninety liter plus pack will fit in there, and it, it is really a go to piece of equipment, Dave. Yeah, uh, that's a good. It's thing. nice, nice and durable, but it's light. That's awesome. Uh, so you just pack yeah. up your bag, it's all ready to go, and you just throw your whole thing right in the REI bag. Yep, exactly. That's and awesome. It, it protects it, keeps it all together. Uh, haven't had any disasters yet where uh, you know TSA opens it and loses stuff. So, yeah. and, and, of course, I think hopefully your, your listeners need to be aware there's a lot of things that you cannot fly with anymore, even in checked baggage that you used to be able to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you cannot uh, – your stove fuel bottles, you cannot fly with those anymore. There's a lot of backpacking stoves that cannot go in check baggage. Yeah. So you got to be a little bit careful if you're, if you're flying. Hopefully some of the other people you're, you're going to hike in with or driving. And so you can make arrangements for them to meet you at the trailhead. Yeah. Uh, what, you can't fly with. What's your go-to backpacking stove? Do you, do you go with the liquid fuel or do you like the butane or what do you do? Yeah. You know, I, I love the butane. But uh, we've just gotten in the habit of, of carrying the uh, kind of the, the whisper light. Yeah, the white gas. Yeah, the white gas. Um, we found it takes about an ounce and a half of fuel per person per day. That's kind of our uh, rule of thumb for, for what you're going to need. Mm-hmm. Uh, for and, and that's including uh, frying, frying fish. Um yeah. How do you how do you fry fish on I mean some of these stoves like the Whisper Light are kind of you know they got one setting and it's hot. It's super hot. You can't really adjust some of these stoves. How, how do you is there a trick to cooking fish on those? Yeah, you, you try and turn it down as as low as you can and then I'll be the first one to admit the the butane models work much better yeah, they for do. that. There's there's no doubt about it. Uh but you uh you turn it down as low as you can on a on a white gas stove. And, uh, you, uh, yeah, watch your fish closely Yeah, and 
use a fair amount of oil, and I tell you, it's a feast, and nothing tastes better. I'll, I'll put a link. I'll put a link. I, in another life, I had a, uh, a backpacking kind of a, a website, you know, or not backpacking specifically, but kind of camping. So I'll put a I'll put a link to uh, some stoves and things like that. Um, uh, some information there just to, for for uh, giggles, <laughs> shits yeah. and giggles, I guess. But uh, yeah. okay, um, yeah, I think we're about there. Just uh, you know, uh, a question I've been asking here recently is on music. Do you have any, uh, you know, on your road trip or you know, just you in general? Do you do you have a type yeah. of music or band you like to well, listen to? I, I won't. That's a very private question for me. I won't disclose my choice of music, but I'll tell you, uh, I still use an iPod Shuffle. Oh wow! You know because. Ultra light. Yeah. All it's right. Still, of course. It still it still holds a boatload of music. Yeah. And uh, it will it will carry a charge for the full hike in and the full hike out. And so I tell you, the ease of hiking is much better. You know, plugged in and listening to to those tunes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and why not why not disclose the the music? What's the what's the story there? Is that just a? Uh, oh. Uh, yeah. Just yeah, don't want just, to go there. <laughs> just don't want to go there. But okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, you're from. But you're from. I, I, I think it's a necessity. I'll tell you, it's a necessity. It really is to, yep. to have music. Definitely. Uh, every every one of us uh, have an iPod of some sort plugged in. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I've, I've got a good friend of mine, a fishing buddy who's from Iowa. So I'll, I'll have to, I'll, I know what he listens to. So I've got an idea. I'll put a, I'll put a, a link down in the show notes with the, the music that he listens to. And we'll, we'll just, you know, maybe it's the same, maybe not, but uh, no, it, it, that's good. I appreciate that. Um, so I think we're about there. What in the next six, 12 months, anything new with uh, yourself or, you know, the float tubes and anything you want to let us know coming up that's new? Yeah, well, uh, as, as I say, we, we uh, just introduced uh, two pound, fourteen ounce. Uh, this is is really the model for those who who really want to go extraordinary distances and have the lightest of the ultralight flow tubes. It's called the Treeline Two Point X because it, it it does weigh two pounds, fourteen ounces. So I would emphasize that. I, I'd also just point out if you're, you know, we'd love to hear from people with questions comments, their recommendations. So feel free to email us, uh, Wilderness Light, L-I-T-E. So it's Wilderness, L-I-T-E, all one word, at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Love to hear from people and try to get back to you as quickly as possible if you're asking us a question. Because I'll tell you, one of the, the thrills of doing this is to help other people uh, enjoy the extraordinary experience that, that I've had and continue to have uh, each summer hiking into wilderness areas with friends and family to enjoy wilderness float tube ultralight fly fishing. Nice, nice, perfect. And and I think we talked about this on email a little bit, but I think there was going to be you were going to put together some sort of a uh, I'm not sure if it was um, a deal or something for the listeners. Yeah. Uh, maybe you, do you yeah. want to talk a little bit about that or is that something? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. So what we would love to do, and uh, we we talked about it a little bit earlier here. Uh, in support of backcountry hunters and anglers. Uh, and one of the things we'd love to do for, for your listeners is to provide them a, a complimentary first-year membership to backcountry hunters and anglers uh, so they can learn all about the organization. Uh, they'll receive the quarterly publication, uh, the Backcountry Journal, which, which features uh, a lot of backcountry fishing articles as well as backcountry hunting. And so uh, we'd be pleased to provide uh, to your members at uh, – Wet Fly Swing 
a, uh, a membership to, uh, to BHA okay. for 20 compliments of, of Wilderness Light. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I'll put a, a link there at the top in the show notes again to, uh, where they can get a hold of that and we'll, we'll get that, uh, off air here. We'll figure out how to set, uh, you know, that up. So it's real easy to get a hold of that. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think, uh, you know, I've, I've taken a little bit of a break from some of the stuff, you know, again, like you said, family and everything like that. Yeah. But I think my goal, you know, this summer is at least get one trip in and, you know, I'm not sure if, um, you know, I'll be able to get all the fishing, but I'm, I'm hoping to go for it. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time and, you know, sharing your wisdom. And, you know, this is definitely something that I definitely love doing. And I'm sure people that haven't tried it out are, are going to love it. So, uh, so yeah, Phil, just pre- uh, thanks again for coming on and we'll hope to keep in touch with you. Very good. Wonderful. Thanks to you and thanks to your listeners, Dave. Take okay. care. All right. See ya. Bye. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered, just go to wetflyswing.com slash tube. And uh, please follow us on Instagram and leave a comment if you listen to this episode. That's uh, Wetfly Swing over on Instagram. And uh, take a quick uh, look at the Fly Fisherman's uh, Fantasy Survey to help uh, guide the direction of the podcast and the upcoming events this year. I need uh, just about 20 more people to reply to give us enough uh, information here to kind of make some uh, give us some direction. So that's wetflyswing.com slash fantasy. Or just click click the link in the show notes uh, at the top of the page. Thanks again for stopping by to check out the show today. Looking forward to catching up soon. I hope maybe see you on the river or online. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.